Welcome to Bear Weather Fans, the official Chicago Bears podcast of handsome, beautiful people. Join myself, Patrick, Coach Bob, and Ed O'Bradabot as you listen to Bear Weather Fans. <laughs> Welcome to Bearweather Fans, your favorite Bears podcast. Join myself and Coach Bob for the Week 8 Recap Episode. Coach Bob, <gasps> what's up? Yo, yo. Great to talk to you. Um, we could talk about the Chicago Bears loss to the 49ers, or we could talk about the Princess Bride for the next hour and a half. Uh, it's really your call. Yeah, I'm on the fence because I uh, watched it recently and truly just art. Did not realize how sure. fantastic that movie was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is a this is the um, hmm, Princess Weather fans episode. Oh, fantastic! Uh, <laughs> no, I was thinking about either rebranding us as um, maybe Chicago Bulls podcast now that they're like awesome and exciting again, and just uh, slowly phasing out. Like we were never a Bears podcast. No, this is no, no. Yeah, we're just we're just a Chicago sports podcast, which. Um, uh, moments ago from this recording, the Bulls mounted a, oh my gosh, comeback. I don't know uh, if you caught that game or anything, because no. I do uh, follow the Bulls pretty closely. Um, so a couple fun little tidbits on the Bulls. Side note here, because they are winning games, unlike the Bears. Um, <laughs> Bulls were down 96-77 late in the third at that point in time. <laughs> Uh, my buddy's like, you know, sports betting app or whatever it was said that Boston had a 98.2% chance to win the game. Wow. The Bulls closed the game on a 51 to 18 run and they <laughs> won the fourth quarter 39-11. They didn't only win the game, they actually won by a lot. So they had like a 1.8% chance of winning that game <laughs> and they ended up winning by let me double check. I think it's 14. Oh yeah, one twenty eight to one fourteen. That's so yeah. absurd. Oh my gosh, they, that was they like, won. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it's the no. I was gonna say that's like the opposite of what the Lakers did. Yeah. Where it's like, wait, did you go into the half up like forty points? Like, what did you do? Yeah. But that's awesome. Yeah. So right after the game, I just texted a couple of my buddies that watch the Bulls all the time, uh, and just said eighty one and one. Because they lost that <laughs> they lost that thriller to the Knicks, and uh, otherwise oh, yeah. they'd be undefeated right now. They're so exciting, man. They, um, yeah, they're good. It's a shame we also just lost Patrick Williams for the season, though. Oh my God, yes. So there's one point that I want to bring up about the team that we actually cover. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, no, we can talk more about that. <laughs> that was just a little so Bulls one... plug right after our little uh, Princess Bride plug. <laughs> sure. Um, and I'll, I'll circle back to this, but <laughs> hey, welcome to Bear Weather fans. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, it doesn't get much better. Uh, we are here recapping the Bears loss uh, to the 49ers, 33-22. Uh, it was an interesting game, I'll say. Coach Bob, initial thoughts? Yeah, um, initial thoughts would be that it was a game that was... Pretty easy and exciting to watch until late. Um, not super disappointed. 
I was worried about the offensive side of the ball, and the off- offensive side of the ball looked pretty good. Um, Justin Fields looked like a absolute stud for a lot of the game, and we'll talk about that later. Um, however, based on our previous conversations, uh, it was actually the loss, the not the most embarrassing loss, but the worst loss in terms of losing to the worst team that we've done that we've lost to this season. So that part mm-hmm. was disappointing. Like we have not lost to a team as bad as the San Francisco 49ers yet this year. Now that's not to say they're terrible. They're I'd say average below average, but um, we really hadn't lost to a team that wasn't good yet. Um, and this one, we lost to a team that was average or slightly below average. And so that was a little disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, in our game kind of preview episode, we talked about we both predicted a win here, and I think we both had a little bit of eh, to it. But uh, I remember talking about how Kyle Shanahan, like, basically, if you give him like three fans from the crowd and like at least one folding chair, he will get you a competent running game. He it just always works, and uh, yeah, it just it was one of those ones where it's like we're predicting a win, but the 49ers are a weird team in general. And uh, looking back at some of their offensive-defensive stats, like the fact that they were old, able to hold uh, Aaron Rodgers to uh, not very much. It, I don't know. There was reason for optimism. There was reason for pessimism. But, yeah, it's a bummer. We really needed to win here. And it was a very winnable game. It's a bummer that it came out the way it did. Totally. Um, so I'm going to call this the uh, official episode of Realigning Expectations. Uh, and this is... Mostly for me, uh, bear with the fans, Ben. Can you give me a hit here? Realigning expectations. All right, thanks, Ben. <laughs> put your put your trumpet down. Uh, so this is 100 for my own benefit, but uh, I think we have a tendency to look at everything in terms of uh, getting to the Super Bowl, and uh, that leaves 31 teams in a given year disappointed. And uh, I think we're we're homers, but we're not so much of homers that we're like thinking the Bears are winning a Super Bowl this year. And so this is, again, just a, a reminder to myself, like, chill down, Pat. Like, just enjoy the games. If they win, that's great. <laughs> Don't uh, evaluate everything through the lens of, damn it, why aren't they winning a Super Bowl? So, yeah, I mean, this is more like 2013-era Bears where we... Uh, it's like going on a road trip and having like a bunch of engine light warning signs on. It's like, oh, you have uh, no cornerbacks and a defensive line with three of its four starters over 30. And, uh, you know, like no draft picks last year. <laughs> There's so many things that and are like Khalil compiling. Mack out. <laughs> yes, Khalil Mack out. Akeem Hicks rushing back in a contract year, um, or because of the contract year status, rushing back from a groin injury that he really shouldn't. Um, yeah, there's so many things like, I think, uh, yeah, Quinn just rushed back from having COVID. Like there was a lot of, yep. and that kind of showed. Yep. No, I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean, it, just a couple of things that, that you said that I think we should touch on and I don't really uh, yes, care where we start. I do. We want to start with, uh, the 49ers run game. Yes, sir. Because that was really impressive. It's one of those things where, like, when we watch games, 
you know, and you and I are looking for all this stuff and what's it, what we're seeing and whatever. And like, while <laughs> I'm going I'm to tangent here for a second and we haven't even gotten started. Please. I was like super excited about this game for two reasons. Um, Matt Nagy was not going to be there. So I was like, Oh, what does this look like life without Nagy? You know, if things went great, <laughs> I was thinking to myself, are we like going to just pull the trigger right now? Pull the rug out, have an interim head coach, you know, keep it the special right. teams guy and just fly with it. Um, and it looked pretty good, actually. Uh, yeah. You know, well, it's I'm a loss. Interject and say, what was that? That's why Nagy didn't reveal his location. He's been transported away. Like, he's basically been kidnapped by the Bears organization. Oh, yeah. For just sure. Put like, a hood on him and just took him out. Like, yeah. Oh, no. He's, he's sick. He's sick. It's um, It's COVID. <laughs> That's COVID. He's somewhere in Bermuda. Yeah. Yeah. So. Nobody's going to question that. If you say COVID, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> you're right. He did have time to do that undisclosed location uh, interview, though, uh, in front of a green screen to make it look like he was business as usual. Yeah, uh, they had, like, hostage vibes all over. Oh, yeah, it did. Those. Oh, yeah, it did. And the, that all those answers were scripted. Uh, yeah, he was, like, blinking in Morse code. Yes, me. yes like, he was. Please. Uh, as somebody that knows no Morse code, I can confirm with 100% confidence that was what was happening. Um, because he was blinking. Um, but, yeah, like, him not being there, I was excited. And then I wasn't particularly excited about this one, but I was like, let's see what happens. When Eddie mm-hmm. Jackson went down 15 seconds into the game. Because I um, have been a critic of Eddie Jackson sucking at football for a while now. So I was sitting here going, oh, well, you know, he's out. So let's see what happens. You know, life without Eddie Jackson. Um, And things got off to a pretty darn good start where I was like, oh, heck yeah. Um, But getting back to uh, the 49ers running game, uh, it was one of those things where, you know, we've gotten so used to incompetent coaching and random timeout calls and delay of game after like a after like a long break and all these things where it's like how is this possibly the situation and the um even the announcers saying like oh are you just randomly choosing plays like on any given time like regardless of down and distance you're like oh this is a good play time to run this play like what is happening here um and then you you hear them talking about how Kyle Shanahan sets up the run game so stinking well. We're like, we were watching just like 20 yard run after 20 yard run. I want to say in the fourth quarter, their rookie running back was sitting somewhere at like 10 yards per carry. I mean, that's right. Offensive. And, um, and they showed the same like blocking, uh, what would it be called? The same like technique, the same strategy several times. And it worked every time against the bears. And it was a two tight end set. Tight end comes in motion, snap to a run play tight ends. One-on-one with the defensive end only for a tight end to come across, smoke him in the side mm-hmm. while he's engaged and then get to the next level and throw another block. And it's like, Oh yes, my sir. God, you just neutralized Robert Quinn without a lineman. Like, That's so this is exactly I have so many notes on that exact play that I was going to bring up to you. I'm so glad you, oh, you've already seen it. Yeah, like and it happened on both sides. It was super successful yeah. in both areas. Uh our linebackers did not get over to help fill that gap at all. And it was just we were getting gouged. Um 
And when I watched it, I was like, there wasn't anything athletically wildly impressive there. That's what good coaching looks like. That's when a coach right. sets up players to succeed. And I'm so tired of not seeing that on our side of the ball. Um, like, I don't want to take anything away from those tight ends or the rookie or whatever, like from San Francisco. They're all fine. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like that rookie should not be averaging 10 yards a carry in the NFL. Tight ends should not be able to embarrass defensive ends in run plays. Like, mm-hmm. and like the use of that double team was so sneaky. And then not only did you knock the lineman over, now the tight ends getting to the second level and they're actually all one for one, like matched up. Like you didn't even use like waste a double team on an uncovered linebacker. You open the gap and then hit the linebacker. Like it's just insane how effective he set up the run game. Yeah. He, yeah, it's really, you get whiplash watching, uh, Kyle Shanahan play designs and then going to Matt Nagy offense. Like, Oh no. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like your point, like you have, you know, motion incorporated into using that momentum to do like crack blocks to using, creating holes. And then like, yeah. And then you go to Matt Nagy's offense. It's like, all right, you have four identical curl routes and everyone just stops and, uh, they all stop at the same time. So you essentially have time for one read. And if that one's not open, by the time you turn over, all the other routes are done. And then the play is just over. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you blame the quarterback and go, they didn't get through their progressions. (laughs) That's not how progressions work. You can't have (laughs) all the routes timed at the same interval and have progressions. Like that's not (laughs) how football works. And that's an NFL head coach who's offensive minded. Yes, one time coach of the year, Matt Nagy. Oh my um, gosh, it's incredible. I honestly think uh, Nick, you know, uh, Mitch being an MVP is uh, a bigger accolade at this point than Nagy <laughs> being coach of the year. But um, yeah, neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah. So I want to just run through real quick the uh, kind of how the game went, and then I want to get into kind of player by player and scheme by scheme stuff. So okay, um, you know, first quarter. Uh, 49ers started with the ball, marched, got down to, uh, I think, the Chicago 30-yard line and missed a field goal. Um, the Bears got the ball. It was mostly runs with a couple of uh, short passes and scrambles for fields. Um, I think the big play, that was Khalil Herbert, an inside run for, like, 25 yards. Um, pretty much ended at... Uh, it's like fourth and eight at the San Francisco 21-yard line. That was a field goal. So it's, you know, 3-0. Pretty much the rest of the quarter, it was just uh, San Francisco marching, got a field goal. You're ending the quarter tied 3-3. Uh, going in towards the second quarter, you have uh, the touchdown from, what was that? Uh, Khalil Herbert running in for a touchdown after a, uh, I want to say that was like a 60-yard drive. Um, then going back over to 49ers, basically you're just trading scores. Did you know, Khalil you've had Herbert like, run for a touchdown. Uh, that is what I had in my notes that he, oh, yeah, 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 he had like a three yard touchdown in the second quarter. Okay. Um, and then I think they missed that extra point. I think they got it early unless they missed it there. I thought they missed the extra point later. Oh, okay. I could totally be wrong on that. No, no, you're probably right here. 
Um, yeah, I should, probably, should probably take better notes, but it's fine. It's, anyway, yeah, they go into the half um, down 9-13, which is still like... Or I'm sorry, up uh, 13-9. Yeah, so then they didn't miss that extra point yet because they had two field goals yes. and a touchdown in the first half. Yes, sir. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, it's later on. Which also, man, Cairo missing a kick is such a bummer. He was on such a roll. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the extra point was in the fourth quarter. That's right. Okay, thank you. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, you're up 13-9. Um, it is a bummer that the 49ers were basically scoring at will. Like, that entire half, they went one drive without a score, and that was a missed field goal. Yeah, no, you know what? That first half touchdown, by the way, I, I could be wrong on this, but I am almost positive that first half touchdown was um, a bootleg left touchdown pass to the tight end, Jesse James. Okay. Yeah. Because if they had 13 at half and they had two field goals, then... Yeah, And then in the second half, they had nine more, and the second touchdown was also Justin Fields, and that was like the craziest play of the season. That was so awesome. Yes. Yeah, so I'm, so, I'm, I'm like almost positive that uh, first half touchdown was that bootleg. He ran left, had a super impressive throw, like kind of totally torqued his body, put mm-hmm. it right outside the defender, put it where only the tight end could catch it. Um, and yeah, just... Right on the money, great ball, good clean catch. Nothing super fancy about the play design, just Justin Fields is good enough to make that a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll say, basically the takeaway I wanted to get at with running through these drive summaries is that the 49ers had, whatever, nine total possessions and scored on all but one. And uh, actually, I guess all but two, one of them being a missed field goal and the other being because they just ran out of time in the game. Like, this, yeah, they no kneeled down the game. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah they scored <laughs> like, on every possession or they got in scoring position. That's a better p- way to put it. They were they had a makeable field goal that they missed and then they ended yeah. the game because they won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Like, my God, the Bears are what, like three weeks removed from being like a three point offense? Yeah. Like or whatever was that two weeks ago where they scored three total points and it's like, and then they're playing a team that puts up points every possible drive but like one. Yeah, that's not a recipe for winning football. Um, it was yeah. a little concerning, you know, in the first half because San Francisco kept marching down the field, but at least I had the confidence. Like, oh well, you know, they lock up in the red zone and they held them to three field goals, and if they are going to keep them out of the end zone. I like how our offense is moving the ball as well because we scored on every possession in the first half. We also started the second half with the ball. So I was feeling okay at halftime. Not great about our defense, but I was feeling okay. Like, you know what? We're clamping down in the red zone. We are moving the ball really well. And then we opened up the second half with a drive that looked like it could potentially score a touchdown, ended with a field goal, and still went up seven. And at that point, we're in the second half, up seven, again, with the defense that really wasn't letting up touchdowns. And they, of course, threw on the board that the Bears had something insane, like they had not allowed a touchdown to the 49ers in, like, I don't remember what it was. It was, like, 18 quarters. It was something insane. It was, like, three-plus three games because it was, like, 
they had the Robbie Gold revenge game where he didn't where they didn't score any touchdowns and yeah. yeah. Anyway, it just was like you had to talk about them getting in the end zone, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Great guys. Yeah. Great. <sighs> Insane. Well, uh I wanna get into some of the the player by player breakdowns here, but um first we have to do the Bear Wither fan uh company game award. So band hit me. <laughs> Bear Weather Fan Game Awards got a couple of really high-profile awards here. Um, so, first one that I want to talk about is the uh, Devin Hester Award for ridiculousness, <laughs> and uh, that of course goes to Justin Fields for his utterly stupid uh, 22-yard touchdown run, uh, where he like reversed the field and looked like he was going to trip and fumble, and then like juke the dude out, and it was like. He looked like silly, like it looked not fair, like he was playing amongst boys. I completely agree. I actually thought <laughs> one more thing besides just like he did almost fall on that. Uh, that play was so bad from play design. He had a yeah. guy on him. The leak out guy had a, it was covered. Like nothing was open, even if he didn't slip. Like that play was completely right. dead. And it was fourth down. Like, like <laughs> that should have been a turnover for sure. And he, um, and at that time, I think we were up one. Maybe we were not, maybe we were down six. I don't remember, but I think we were down yeah, right. six, down seven at that point. Maybe we were down seven. They had scored a touchdown and a two point conversion after we didn't score on the first or after we, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, it became 22-23-49ers after that touchdown. Oh, yeah. So, but, we, no, sorry. We were down seven. Yeah, we were down seven. So, uh, they they scored the touchdown. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Cool, cool. Yeah. And that um, was the field, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, he, uh, when he reversed field, those linemen on the 49ers look like uh, like you were playing a game of NFL Blitz where you switch players and dive at the quarterback. Because every single person just dives at his feet and all of them miss. And they're all just laying on the ground. <laughs> and then he just, you know, breaks a few more tackles. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, our old man, Jason Peters, throws a block that almost murders San Francisco's best player. Um, <laughs> I thought he was going to die. Oh, my God. I thought that was the end of him. Yes. And it was not like an illegal back towards your end zone block. It was like right. he's coming to make a play on fields, and Peters was like, did you know I'm so much bigger than you? And the guy died. <laughs> That's it, because, I don't know, NFL players are weird. Well, sometimes you'll see big dudes that get pushed around, and then, like, I feel like he's, Jason Peters is like the opposite, where he seems, he's huge, and he also seems to act like five times his mass. Like, he oh hits God. people like a truck. He's so big. He's he's like Andre the Giant, if you will. <laughs> Everybody want a peanut? <laughs> All right, take it easy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Peters, are there defensive backs ahead? If there are, they'll be dead. <laughs> That's right. so good. <laughs> Welcome back to the... <laughs> the Princess Pride the Princess Podcast. Pride Pod, yeah. <laughs> As you wish, an hour at a time with some of the great moments of Princess Pride. Okay, so yeah, that block was awesome. Uh, yeah, 
but the block was awesome. But really, like obviously, we're just you know patting him on the back because he's uh, got knees that are eighty years old and he's actually legitimately thirty nine years old. Um, but right. Justin Fields, oh my God, what a play! Like when he ran that in, I was like, oh, like you're the best player on the field. Um, yes. And at that point, he had already thrown that touchdown. He had rushed for like a hundred yards in a touchdown. He had found a way, like we've talked about, he had found a way to like avoid hits. You know, he started getting out of bounds and sliding and you're like, Oh, you can get a hundred yards without getting hit. Oh, and you can throw for a hundred and whatever yards efficiently with touchdowns, man, we are really, and that, that score was to tie the game until we missed the extra point and weren't tied. Yup. Pretty much. That's what's so frustrating is like Jimmy Garoppolo is not a talented quarterback and he threw for 322 yards uh, against what was once a very proud defense. That's not a unit there. Um, and then Fields, like you watch him. He's like a it's almost like young LeBron where he's just so obviously more talented than everyone around him. And uh, then his stats. Yeah, he had uh, 19 for 27 for 175 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And yeah, like to your point, that interception was him just trying to make something happen at the end of the game. But well, and if um, you look, if you, did you rewatch that play <laughs> with Mooney, just yeah. like bouncing off his hands? Yeah. Oh, you threw a perfect ball. Mooney no. misread it. Cause so he slows down at the top of his route. Cause he was open. Then he slows mm-hmm. down only for it to be slightly overthrown. And it's like, well, if you yeah. slowed down, it wasn't overthrown. <laughs> right. And then like he went up to catch it at the high point, which is great, except for he didn't. And it tipped off his hands and was picked. And it's like, if you didn't slow down and you just went up and caught the ball, like the cornerback wasn't in position to make a play on the ball. Right. Um, you, you catch that ball. All of a sudden, Justin Fields probably has a day where he has 260 yards, two touchdowns, and 100 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. And we're sitting here going, um, like, player of the week? And instead <laughs> right. he has 170 yards and an interception and the ball hit the receiver in both his hands for that pick too. Like, I don't know how many times I'm going to make an excuse for him throwing an interception. Like, and at the end of the day, it looks like, Oh, it might've been double coverage. Well, first of all, it's the end of the game with two minutes left trying to make something happen. And it was a very catchable ball. Like it was not like it was in double coverage where it was not a catchable ball. Like it was the receiver's ball to lose and he lost it. Yeah, and you know, not all double coverage throws even are this, made the same. Where he was very obviously finding the seam between the cornerback and the safety, like that. There exists a very tiny window there, but he can hit that. And, and he did. yeah, like you said, yeah, he did hit it. And <laughs> uh, yeah, so that brings me to uh, the second Bear Weather Fan Award for this week is the uh, Johnny Knox Award for uh, mediocre receiver propping up uh, or being propped up by an insanely talented young QB. And uh, that goes to Darnell Mooney, which that's not fair. Darnell is a very talented receiver, and I think he would be a great, uh, like, number two or number three receiver on the team uh, who's kind of being asked to be the number one receiver. And so it's like, that should be like an Allen Robinson play, where it's like, all right, send For Robinson sure. deep. Yeah, you can you can make these contested catches. You're big and can do these jumps in the air. Instead, they have, like, how how tall is Darnell Mooney? Like, 5'11"? Yeah, not big enough. And like I said, the biggest thing there for me was like just the misread. Like he had like a four-yard yeah. cushion, and he was contested when he caught it because he backed off. 
but he backed off only to be behind the ball and like then had to like dive for it. It's like you pumped the brakes and then you were not there. Like I don't under like clearly that just means that you misread the ball. And if <laughs> right. you just didn't break stride, it probably hits you right in the bread basket. And I don't think he's scoring a touchdown there, but I think he's having like a sixty yard completion. Oh yeah. And part of why it reminded me so much of Johnny Knox. I mean, it reminded the uh, the award, uh, you know, the committee. I didn't. I obviously don't come up with these. No, awards, no, yeah, all the A list yeah, yeah. celebrities do. Sure, yeah. So they came to a vote, but the reason it reminded this committee of the Johnny Knox uh, situation is because there's so many plays in like Cutler's first like year or two of the Bears where um, we have like a five eleven speedster like running out deep against like safeties and then uh, like. You know, Cutler threw a really hard ball, and uh, it would like bounce off uh, Knox's hands, and then like be an interception. But God damn it! Like yes, and then the, you know, like I mean, this is like the seventieth time in my life I've been like, it wasn't the QB's fault, guys, but it really wasn't the QB's fault here. I know. Like I, I don't. I agree with you. I will say, like I think that should have been Allen Robinson, but I think they also wanted Mooney's speed to maybe blow the doors off there. But boy, did he put up a nice pass. I mean, he put that mm-hmm. thing on the money, and it's just like one time. Now, I don't think we win the game, even if he makes that catch. Let me just be clear. Like, we needed a right. lot to happen. We needed to score. We needed an onside kick. Like, I don't think all that happens. But it's just one more one, one of those things where it's like, I would have walked away from this game looking at it. Like, I my eye test says Justin Fields played really, really well. Yeah. And that goes down as an incompletion, an interception, no yards. And it's like... I mean, he would have had like 70% completion, two touchdowns if they ended up scoring on that one. No interceptions, huge yards like most he's ever had, plus 100 yards on the ground. Um, and, you know, to that point, I even uh, what's his face? Um, who was announcing that game? Um, Tight end. Greg Olson. Greg Olson, yeah. yes. He um, he was talking about how just decisive we and this is what we were talking about early in the season when Justin Fields is decisive he's the best athlete on the field like he's mm-hmm. the best athlete regardless but when he's decisive about what he's gonna do good luck like when he right. realizes oh I can just tuck and run this for ten yards he's gonna tuck and run it for ten yards because you're not gonna catch him but when he's like I'm gonna try to draw it out draw it out draw it out and nobody gets open and nobody scrambles with him nobody's doing the you know backyard football drill, like get open for your quarterback, move with him. Like when none of that happens, then he gets hit from behind and like awkwardly hyperextends his knee. We're like, Oh my God. Um, but like it, he proved to me he could do it against anybody this week when he rolled out to his right from the right hash. So as little space as he could have. And he beat Joey Bosa's contain. Like, yes, that was was awesome. Yeah. I was like, okay, if you can beat Bosa to the sideline, when he didn't totally give up the edge, that's as fast as a defensive end gets or close mm. to it. Um, okay. If you're near hash and you can beat him to the sideline, you can break contain on anybody if you decide to. So, I mean, that's got, that's gotta be scary for the rest of the NFL. Like there wasn't even many designed run calls and he, he didn't take like hits. He slid a lot. He got out of bounds a lot. Or he just went straight to the end zone because he was too good. Um, right. And, yeah, he was incredible. And, like, it is funny. I think Greg Olson said this, too. He's like, I feel like he, like, didn't do that early in the season because 
he wanted to prove I, I can be a pocket passer. I can be, you know what? Yes, we know you can. You can also do this though. So do both. <laughs> right. Like you can break contain and then now you're going to force defensive ends to not take an inside route. Like you're going to force a defensive end not to get the like up the gut sack because they have to stay wide. Like now the tackles are going to be benefiting because they are like the ends are not allowed to cut in because if they cut in Justin Fields just breaks the edge. Yes. And then and then you're done. Um and he can pass from the pocket and he can hit really small windows and he can put zip on the ball and it's a nice tight spiral and he's got a huge arm and he can play the deep ball, all that stuff. I mean, they were calling for more deep balls throughout the game, but like when they would show replays, they were giving Mooney a cushion, like a, like a six, seven yard cushion at 15 yards. Why would you not stop if the cornerback is just saying, I'll give you 15 yards. Okay. I'll take the 15 yard out. You know, somebody mm-hmm. else clear out the side, make it a clear passing lane. And if you're not even going to contest it. Okay. Like I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would think in theory, uh, having Mooney and fields on the same team is football easy mode. Like, all right, that dude's super fast. He's a deep threat. Fields has a huge arm. He's a deep threat. So you basically are sending Moody, you know, on deep routes until you're forcing a defense to play off. And then you have free slants all day. Or yeah, like you said, free out routes. Like, yeah, that's that should be the rock paper scissors that is offensive play calling. But uh, we don't like that game. <laughs> which is so weird because I agree with you. The eye test of Justin Fields. Like this was the first game for me, starting I guess in the second quarter maybe, where I was like, oh yeah, like he he's different. Like he is. I'm so in now, and I, I always was in. I knew he had it in him, but that's this is the first game I felt like he showed it. And uh, so to see, which is great, but it's also like to see him play that well and then to see the final box score is like, oh, no. Like, That's what I mean. What? Like, how, yeah, yeah. how is that 175 yards? How is yeah. that a touchdown and a pick? Like, he was so good. He looked better today than I think Trubitsky basically ever looked for the Bears. Um, yeah, except for I maybe that, that 1-6 touchdown game. But, like, <laughs> even that, like, I don't know what he did that was special. Like, here, mm-hmm. Fields did things consistently that were special. And you were yeah. like, oh, my God. Always. Like, he's just always making impressive plays. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I You know, the word that you said that I think the Bears staff, we may have to write in, I don't know that they know the term that you said. It's a slant. Because I don't think I've ever seen our players run that route in the history of football. Like some tight ends drop behind the middle linebacker, but I have not seen a wide receiver run across the middle of the field. We run deep and we run out, but we do not run across the middle of the field, which if you as a quarterback can hit the window between the linebackers is probably the easiest throw in football because it's not that far. Like Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's a 12 yard pass to go 10 yards down the field where they're asking him to throw a 30 yard pass, 10 yards down the field. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't understand. Like, I feel like Aaron <laughs> Rodgers makes his money on a slot receiver tucking right behind a linebacker and getting hit right in that window between linebackers. And it's like right. not a super difficult throw. It just has to be timed. And I have no doubt that Justin Fields can hit those windows put the right amount of zip on the ball and um yeah it just doesn't happen yeah 
And uh, it's just interesting how, how throws are schemed for NFL QBs. So it's like, even though deep throws are mechanically very hard, like to be able to be accurate at you know 30 yards is like, that's a tough ask. Um, but it's the easiest read to make because you're really only reading like two players. Like there's two deep safeties in a given play. Usually sometimes they'll do three or whatever, but uh, it's self-evident. Like there's nobody hiding deep that you're not going to see. Like right, you see how many safeties start off deep. You see where they rotate and it's a pretty simple read. Um, and then similar with like shallow routes, like you're, you're not reading that many people and intermediate passing um, on the out routes is probably the most complicated where you're watching like a, a safety could rotate in, do a robber thing, a linebacker could rotate out. And there's, there's a lot of trickery that can happen. And so you're kind of balancing, I think as a coach, like, all right, here are physically hard throws to make the deep stuff. And here are the mentally challenging hard throws to make, which are intermediate stuff. But uh, yeah, that throw over the middle is kind of an intersection of like really physically easy. Like it's right in front of you. It's a shortish throw. And as far as like mentally demanding throw, it's like you're reading the two inside linebackers and you're checking to see if anybody's playing robber or whatever. Like it's a very simple read. Um, Yeah, you're reading like three people basically. So you would think that would be the bread and butter. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I just don't know. I feel like we haven't run it or thrown to it, but twice this season. Seriously. And, and it's like, oh, well, that's also a fast-developing route. What would a pro be of a fast-developing route? Oh, if you have a <laughs> shit offensive line that gives a constant pressure, wouldn't it be great if you had like a hot route that c- could get rid of the ball in 1.5 seconds? Oh, right. no, we don't run those routes. <laughs> um. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I just yep. I think he's done everything to prove that he can handle what's going on. He understands the game. He can make some reads and uh, let this guy play because he can mm-hmm. play. Um, you know what else helps? Uh, what's his face? Jamie Garoppolo get like 275 or 300 yards or whatever it was. Is it yards after the catch? Yeah, how about th- – Throwing, actually, by the way, somebody in the game, I don't think it was Greg Olson, I think it was the other comment uh, uh, person, was talking about how impressive somebody's yards were before contact. And I was like, that is not what you mean. I was like, you've <laughs> got to mean yards after contact, because yards before <laughs> contact is not impressive. <laughs> that is that is that is saying the blocking is good, not the running back. Right. <laughs> the opposite of good. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, how about, you know, I think Nagy did come on and say this, and he is correct. Like, the game-changing play, which I felt it too, was the 80-yard, like, screen pass or whatever it's called. What's it called out there? That one wasn't a screen pass. It was a – it's like a tunnel pass or something like that. Oh, yeah. But you're talking about. I don't know. But, yeah, it was out to the left to their shifty receiver, who's more like a running back, Mm -hmm. and it's third and 20, so we're actually going to get a stop. And it goes 82 yards to the one-yard line. And they score a touchdown. And it's like, what the heck? Like, I felt like, honestly, the Bears uh, were trying to get a little too fancy there. Um, What I mean by that is they talked earlier in the game about, like, you know, if you're going to have a tough time making the tackle, like, turn your pads and get two hands on your back and you're going to get a block in the back call on a play like that and then, 
you know, it's an easy call and then you're going to back them up 10 yards. And they'd already done that. And that's why I was third and 20. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they tried it again. And I thought the one person that had a chance to make a play turned their shoulders to try to get that call, didn't get the call, and it went 80 yards. And it's like, slow that guy up. Even if you don't make the tackle on this play, if you trip him at all, slow him down. It is not a first down, and it is a punt. Like, right. instead, it was turn the shoulders, get the hands, try to draw the flag, and, uh, and then make no contact, and he runs free. And it was like, how in the hell is that an 80-yard play? (laughs) And how in the hell is that Jimmy Garoppolo getting 80 yards on that pass? Like, Justin Fields hasn't had one of those breaks in terms of box score favors uh, yet this season. I mean, that's half of what he did on the day, and he played really good football. That would have been the easiest throw he made on the day. Um, So it's just like, oh, my goodness. But, and then they scored on that, like, mishap play. Like, just things started going their way right on that one play. And they scored on that sneak that was, like, not a design sneak that kind of threw people. And that was on third down. So we were potentially going to get another stand, keep them out of the end zone. That would have been good. And Mm -hmm. once that all broke down, it was like, oh, well, (laughs) seems like the game's in their favor now. Yes, sir. So there's a couple points there. I think yards after the catch is so fascinating because um, it's something that was kind of misunderstood for a long time to the point where like air raid QBs used to be uh, going into draft. People used to avoid air raid QBs like the plague because before advanced analytics were available as widely as they are now, people felt like they couldn't trust like spread offense QBs or air raid QBs because they would see these really high yards, these high touchdowns. But then when you actually watch it, a lot of it was after the catch because that was the way to the offense was designed and that is not quite as true now because we have the ability to differentiate all this stuff. We're more analytically driven than ever before. And also just the NFL has adopted so many college concepts uh, compared to, you know, 15 years ago. Um, But that is to say that yards after the catch is typically an indicator of team skill or of play design. And like, you know, the QB is doing their job, but after that, it's all, it's all a team thing. And uh, it is not a coincidence when a team, you know, either does great in yards after the catch or does terrible. Like that's that's something that stays pretty consistent. So with that in mind, uh, where do you think the Bears rank in the NFL in terms of yards? <laughs> you would be correct. <laughs> Absolutely dead last. <laughs> Didn't even hesitate. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that are new to the podcast, I normally take my time. And <laughs> right. and deliberate these questions. There is no doubt. I don't. I wouldn't even imagine it's close. We are so bad in yards after the catch on receiving. And like I said, I haven't. I can't remember like one big screen play, tunnel pass, whatever. Like, oh, we popped a big one, and that's going to help. No, like even man, he threw what was it? He threw a great route to Robinson or Mooney, and I don't remember what it was, and they lost their footing, and they were, and then Greg Olson came on like, ah, you know, it would have been nice if you could have kept your footing here because you had some room. And nope, like almost never. Even when the pass is kind of on the money, kind of on target, it's like, ah, well, I'm going to catch it now so my legs stop working. What? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think to your point, part of that is the – throws 
and routes that are being asked of these receivers and the quarterback are mm-hmm. not conducive to yards after the catch. Like, no. Like, you're asking for a 15-yard out. First of all, that's a difficult throw. Second of all, where's the yards after the catch? You're running out of bounds. Right. Um, you're asking for, like, a deep crossing route where he has to go over the linebacker, short of the safety, read the corner, make an accurate throw that covers a lot of air yards, and by the time it gets there, the wide receiver is getting hit by the safety because he's that deep already. Like, right. we are not asking him to throw any easy read underneath crossing routes where the guy gets it on the run and then can make a play on the safety, like can get his head up and see the safety and mm-hmm. try to make a miss or try to get a block or whatever. None of that is happening. And so it's, it is so frustrating because yeah, I, I don't know. I like, I feel like every time he gets 170 yards, he threw the ball 170 yards in the air. And right. I watch his other quarterbacks, and I'm like, oh, you threw it 50 yards in the air, and you have 300 yards. Um, <laughs> right. Excellent. How right, is right. it that you are so much better than Justin Fields? Because I don't see it. <laughs> well, you talked earlier about, like, wouldn't it be nice to see, I don't know, a slant? And I'm like, oh thinking God. about, like, Darnell Mooney, he's so fast. Like, God, he's again, so it should good. be football easy mode. Yeah, like, just, you could just have something where he's lined out, say, wide left, and you see, like, the defensive back off i'm like all right you know what run an inside slant if it's man like he could potentially uh beat that guy with speed if it's zone it's an easy read because he's running between the defensive linebacker or defensive back linebacker you hit him in that seam that's you know first down if you know if they're man you also send a running back in a wheel route um to the same side so then you're dragging the defensive back out of the way you're sending the running back in the open space like this is it's not super complicated and uh to just like ignore that entire aspect of the game is crazy to me, and uh, yeah, it's your point. Like it's all, every single yard is uh, taken in the air, and partially that is like where the routes are going. And it's also just the design of the routes where instead of getting a player schemed into space so the ball can hit him on the run with speed, it's everything is, you know, an out route to the sideline, or you know, as he's being hit by a safety, or it's a curl route and. He's making his break, catch the ball, and go down. It's but like when when it's a core route backwards. Yeah. Like normally, he's getting hit in the back, or he's headed the wrong way. Like none of these are they running upfield, unless it's a bomb over the top, and then you're asking Justin Fields to put it right on the money, which he does a lot. But mm-hmm. because there's not always a ton of separation, it ends up being contested, and they go to the ground in the process of the catch. So yes, again. Sir. Big play, no yards after the catch. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I do not understand not working the middle of the field. And I feel like they've tried a little with tight ends, but like I don't understand why you don't maybe drag some tight ends across and then bring right behind them uh, a wide receiver. Yes, um, sir. But, well, you talked earlier, and I want to circle back to the play you talked about of using the uh, tight end or fullback or whatever to like – use his speed as part of the play like oh he's got this momentum let's use it but first i want to touch on one last point with yards after the catch so the leader in the nfl right now is who you'd expect it's uh tom brady with the buccaneers um looks like a l- 1170 yards after the catch <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> which is so absurd that may be more yards than the bears have <laughs> right um that's so, not true but i get it yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, it's insane. And then, uh, of course, it, it's got everyone you expect. Arizona Cardinals is up there, 1,000 yards, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you've already predicted the Chicago Bears are dead last. I'll give you the middle in yards after the catch. We have um, Tennessee Titans with, it uh, looks like, 840 yards after the catch. Okay, so that's 16 or so? Um, like yes, right sir. in the middle? Okay. Yep, that is, yeah, 15 overall, yeah. So top is uh, 1,100, middle is 840. So where do you, how many yards after catch do you think the Bears have? 250. <laughs> Pretty much. It says here 400, but I don't even care. That feels... Yeah, that's so bad. That's so embarrassingly <laughs> bad. What is the second worst? Uh, second worst is 530. It's <laughs> so nearly 100 better. Yeah. And who is that? Uh, Saints. Okay. But I mean, if you were to take that same gap, that like, whatever, 100 more, that would move you up to like middle of the pack. Like, you'd yep. be 24th overall. Yep. You're, yeah, so you're like middle third. Yeah. From second to last. <laughs> yeah, and that's then how... that second to last to the Bears' atrocious yards after the catch. Like, it's such an outlier. It's not yeah. even like a little, it's embarrassing. It's so, so bad. (sighs) Good times. Isn't it fun to be a Bears fan? I'm having fun. Uh, You know what? I actually am. Like I said, I was not down on this game. Justin Fields (laughs) looked great. You know what? Our defense looked old. Our defense was hurt. Khalil Mack was out. All this stuff. We couldn't get a stop. Okay. It is what it is. And like you said, even the players that were in were banged up. Like, Akeem Hicks was not full strength. Robert Quinn was not full strength. Um, we had no safeties. Uh, yeah, you know, stuff kind of broke down. And Roquan Smith, I thought, had an okay game, but, like, I would like to see him make some plays on those uh, wide passing plays where he could have, because he's normally pretty good sideline to sideline. Like, I don't want to compare him to Brian Urlacher, but I feel like that was like a Brian Urlacher makes that play every time kind of play. Yeah. Right. Um, and, yeah, so anyway... Um, yeah, um, I want to get into scheme and breakdown a minute here. I have one more, a couple more stats to throw at you. Um, okay, one of them being, if you were the kind of person, maybe you were like really, uh, really knowledgeable and really like probably handsome, you would have predicted that Darnell Mooney would have a better season than Al Robinson. I think um, you'd have to be really, really handsome. I, I mean, you'd have to be right. I don't. Yeah, I don't know where. Yeah. Um, Plus, there'd so be rumors s- about. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it's impressive. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so, Allen Robinson, 271 yards this uh, this season. Uh, Darnell Mooney has. Oh, wait for it. Uh, I really have to wait for it. Uh, 409. God, that's not even that close. And you know what? That would have been closer to 500 if he could catch the ball just hit him in the hands. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like a little bit square peg round hole asking him to be that, I don't know, that number one guy. I, I'm so curious about what's going on with Allen Robinson. And I'm sure, like, after a certain point, you're probably losing motivation if you're Allen Robinson. Like, dude, this was supposed to be the prime of my career. The Bears' offense has been kind of a cluster my entire time here. 
Yeah. And they're not giving me contract extension and my numbers suck. So I'm not going to get a huge contract. You know, it's like, for sure. It sucks to be him. For sure. Um, I mean, and like, and in his defense, he is a good wide receiver. Yeah. That is so poorly schemed open. And the Bears do have such a hard on for speed that they (laughs) draw up so many plays for Mooney. And Mm -hmm. uh, Mooney's had way more targets than Robinson, right? Like, I want to say targets, his targets are like not even half of last season or something crazy like that for Robinson through this point. Um, I thought they showed that on the screen during the game, that it was something like he's been targeted half as many times as last year, which is, man, that's rough. Yeah, basically just been schemed right out of the offense. Yeah, right. Yeah, he had uh, 150 targets last year, and uh, he's had 44 so far this season. So, yeah, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, that's down. It's not horrible, but it's down. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so one more receiver, uh, who has, you know, proven success and experience in the league is a guy by the name of Jimmy Graham, a talented pass catcher. Uh, how many catches do you think he has this season? Four. One. One. (laughs) He's worth it. (laughs) Uh, Ed O'Brien, about what do you have to say about that? My God, get the kid out of the pocket. We've got five guys up front that can't block. <laughs> well said, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought Komet played pretty well. Um, unfortunately, he did drop one that was frustrating. It maybe was a PI, but also maybe mm-hmm. was fight a little harder to get your left hand through. Um, yeah. It was one of those plays where it was like, you know, I do think Cole Komet is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But I also think watching a lot of NFL football, like I think good tight ends in the league make that catch. Like I think when yeah. I watch like Rob Gronkowski and like the other, you know, premier tight ends, um, Kelsey, Kittle, whatever. I know Kittle was out this week. He's been out a lot. But I mean like those guys, like I feel like when they run that route, that like you know straight up the seam turn on turn at the shoulder and just like catch it right with their body even if it's one hand like I feel like I see that catch made all the time I feel like Green yeah. Bay did it against us last week same exact yeah, play right. mm-hmm. um, and it's like oh well Aaron Rodgers throws that ball and it's touchdown Justin Fields throws that ball and it's uh, incomplete pass <laughs> right what the hell like it, right. it hit the guy like it was a perfect throw couldn't be anywhere else. You threw it exactly how you're supposed to run that route, and it's an incomplete pass. And at that point, it was a it was a game. Right. I think it was a yeah, one score game at that point. Right, and uh, obviously, it kind of got away from them. But uh, it's fascinating to me to see the players that Justin Fields practiced with over the summer. Like he still has chemistry with. Like he made Jesse James into like a a tight end that was catching passes. And that's a dude who's in like his, what, like sixth season or something. Um, yeah. Uh, that and, like he had the touchdown catch. Yeah. And is it, he, that brought his like career total to like 11 or something or like 12. Yeah. Like he, he's a dude who is not like a huge threat, but like just, Justin Fields just elevates everybody around him. He's uh, the rising tide that raises all ships. I think, like I think he's going to make these, guy's good i think that's why he does i mean i don't know if it's out there or not but i feel like the bears are doing such a bad job of like hiding their future plans 
Darnell Mooney's a second year guy. Justin Fields is a rookie. Cole Komet's super young. Mm-hmm. All these guys are like, you know, on rookie contracts and Allen Robinson's looking for big money and he's a veteran. So they're yeah. saying, see you later. And they're trying to make Darnell Mooney that number one guy. And they're trying to build all this rapport with all the young guys. And it's like, well, I do think it'll get there. Cause I think Justin Fields is going to make these guys good. Like to your point, imagine what Cole Komet would be if he had the reps with Justin Fields. I mean, he'd be catching touchdowns all over the place. Uh, right. Imagine if Darnell Mooney actually had time with Justin Fields. He didn't really. <laughs> uh, imagine if Allen Robinson did. You know, right? Like our offense would look so much better. Uh, well, hold on now. But what? What if I told you that Andy Dalton could have had the full training camp so that he could have started three games? Isn't yeah, that no, that would have been worth? good. That would have been good. Um, yeah. In in my defense, which by the way, I was fine with Andy Dalton starting. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my good. defense of that stance, though. My original claim was that he should start for much longer if you're going to do it. Right. So it would be you get Justin Fields you know, maybe to where he is right now with a veteran that is taking the hits that he was taking. And, like, I know, like, we've talked about, like, you can't really necessarily straighten out the, like, oh, man, you need your head, like, popped off before you realize, like, oh, you have got to have that covered. Um, like to just to remind you, but at the same time, like, I think he would have missed less of those just with extra reps of, Oh, this is what it looks like. Oh, this is Mm -hmm. what that looks like. Um, I also think even though it would have been difficult and it would have taken longer, like we saw how quickly he became more decisive. It, I think he would have been more decisive if he was coming in in week 10, because it would have been like every week of practice. No, you got to make that decision faster. Like, and if the coach isn't saying that, he's not worth anything. But, like, sure. the coach should be back there like, oh, you can't just stall back here. They're hitting you from behind. Oh, you mm-hmm. can't just go. Go. Like, it's time to go. Okay, it's time to, it's time to break up here. Okay. Like, and if that was in his ear the whole time, he may be looking like he looked right now in his first start. And then he would have maybe not had some of those confidence issues we were talking about potentially coming up. Now, I genuinely, and I, like, I know you've been here before and like, this is as excited as I've been about a bears quarterback. I think ever in my life, which is something. That Um, is something. And I still think he is every bit of that. He has not shown me anything that turns me away from that, including the fact, or like, even though he has just horrible box score right now. Right. And like, I would say some would maybe be deterred by that. Right. Like, Oh, well, this sucks. You know, Mac yeah. Jones is going out and having 300 yard outings and looks way better than me and blah, blah, blah. I don't think Justin Fields gives two shits. I think he is really confident. I think he knows how good he is. And I think he's just so good and he passes the eye test so well. And he always has for his whole life that it's like, Oh, like it's going to be fine because I'm, better than everyone else. Like I am going to work hard. I'm not saying he doesn't work hard. I'm saying like, he's going to work hard and he knows like, it's going to be okay. Like it's okay that Mooney dropped that ball in and got tipped and intercepted. Like who cares about the box score at the end of the day? I mean, he consistently says in these meetings, like, you know, do you think this is going to help you? And he's like, I just want to win football games. You want to know what I want to do? I want to do what I need to win. Whatever it takes. Like if we can win, that's great. Like let's try to win football games. Totally agree. Um, I do not like when, you know, it starts to become, oh, 
I wanted to throw on that down because I wanted a touchdown pass or like, no, none of that. Make the right call, make the right play, do your job, win football games. Like, I feel like he is all in on that and he's good enough to know. Yes, sir. So I think that is a good point to break down a few uh, development points that I have. A few, few stats for you in the Justin Fields development area. Um, one thing that you mentioned last week, I want to say, was that you kind of noticed his his ball speed looking a little bit different. Like We felt like he was a little bit rattled, and instead of having that um, that calmness in the pocket, he was starting to throw everything as a fastball. And uh, I think that is like swinging one way before he swings back, where he started off at college speed. The NFL speed is catching up to, you know, is hitting him fast, so he's rushing a little bit. And I think he will learn how to use his mechanics faster so he's not rushing while still playing at NFL speed, which is just something that we're starting to see a little bit more. Like you say, he's playing with confidence. But um, I noticed a few throws today, less than last week, but still a couple where he was just throwing fastballs. And I think that Komet Pass was one that... It's it's hard to know. I mean, it's a tough pass, but um, if he's not like chucking that thing like it's a meteor, like I think maybe it's easier to catch. But agreed. Yeah, the yeah. ones that I thought were fastballs that were more missed than that one, because I hear you. But I think Komet still should have caught that ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ones that I thought were, I said I think a lot. The ones that I thought <laughs> were more like that. Uh, one of them was one that was overthrown over the middle and they showed that the linebacker really influenced it. And it was like, Oh, well the linebacker only influenced that because he put so much heat on it. Mm-hmm. If he touched that a little bit more, had a little bit more finesse on that. He goes over the linebacker and drops it in where it's catchable instead of just launching it over his head uh, right over the middle. I don't know if you remember the play I'm talking about, but they showed Wagner almost get his finger on it. And it was one of those where it was like, you need to put some finesse on that to go over that level and then still get caught, and you didn't yeah. do it. And then he also did it on a deep ball to Mooney that he overthrew Mooney by like a significant amount. I don't know if he was trying yeah. to throw it away, but that thing was a missile. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, that is not how you throw that ball, and I got to believe he knows that. So maybe he was just trying to throw it away because the coverage was pretty good and it wasn't wide open. Um, but I would have liked to see him give Mooney a chance to come down with that because the, the corner was not looking at all. Um, and they were talking about how the corners were struggling with that, test them, put it up there, make it catchable. Um, then again, he did that at the end of the game and got picked. So, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I feel like we, or at least I err towards the side of like comparing a QB towards like a platonic ideal rather than compared to what is realistic expectation for NFL QB. Like he's a rookie in a lousy offense with a bad offensive line who's learning. And so it's like when he does any mistake, I'm like, mm, that shouldn't have been there. But then you look at like freaking Patrick Mahomes has thrown like nine or 10 interceptions so far this season. Like everybody makes mistakes. Everyone, you know, tries to go for it and plays a little bit hero ball and maybe they shouldn't. Like I'd much rather have a QBs doing that than like a Kirk Cousins who's like, I'm only going to take the safe pass and throw a check down on third and 20 to win, you know, lose the game. Like I, I love his, uh, you know, his aggression. I just, Absolutely. uh, yeah, it's going. Well, I like know. I said, I, we keep bringing up that pick. That pick was down two scores with a minute and a half left or two minutes left. What are you going to do? Throw it underneath? Who cares? Mm-hmm. Even if it was a bad read and a bad throw and an interception, you live with it because he took a shot. It was neither of those things. It was a good read and a good throw, and it happened to be an interception anyway. 
But you still take that shot. You put it in play and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, a few stats that I wanted to get to were um, one Twitter account that door is called Butkus Stats on Tap from uh, Quentin Crisco. Um, it's at Butkus Stats. Ah, at Butkus Stats. Man, Butkus is a tough name. Um, it is. So what he he did was chart uh, every QB uh, through their first six games starting in the NFL since 2012. So they have 36 QBs who uh, started since 2012 for six straight games um, and went by their completion percentage, completion percentage, yards per attempt, all that good stuff. Uh, one of the things he ranked him by was uh, yards per attempt. And the number one was RG3, of course, his rookie season was utterly absurd. Yeah, uh, and so there's you know some outliers in here, but then number two is Justin Herbert, three is Deshaun Watson, four is Dak Prescott, like all dudes who, like you're like yeah that makes sense, they're fantastic and they have sustained success in the league. Um, and then towards the bottom are people you would expect to be like yeah he, he sucked like uh, bottom overall is Jared Goff like yeah he had a terrible rookie season and he is still a bad QB in my opinion. Um, yeah, <clears throat> he looks so, really good on the Lions though. <laughs> <laughs> So EJ Manuel, but anyway, so Justin Fields is uh, uh, 36. He's 32nd. Uh, and again, we've talked about all the reasons for why his stats are bad. Uh, but it's not just you know, it's not just bad. It's like it's really bad. He, yeah, he's in a group you do not want your QB to be in. Uh, people talk about how Trevor Lawrence went to a terrible Jaguars, and uh, he's like 12th overall on this list. So that's like how bad we're talking. That's not ideal. Uh, another, let's see, another stat that I thought was like interesting slash terrifying um, was the completion percentage and yards per attempt in clean versus uh, like under pressure pockets. And basically, Justin Fields is being given like a historically low number of clean pockets. Yep. Um, He's about thirty-seven or thirty-eight percent of his dropbacks are um, clean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <coughs> yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> Which is, yeah, for sure. And uh, it's just crazy. I don't know. Yeah, it's his clean pressure is really bad. His completion percentage percentage while under pressure is pretty bad. Um, compared to like Justin Herbert has like a seventy percent completion percentage when under pressure. That's Justin insane. Fields. Yeah, has a fifty percent completion percentage. Um, I don't know, which we talked about. There's context, but it's still like, oh no! <laughs> like, there's a lot of stats basically all points. Like this, this better not. This can't be sustainable. Either they need to get a better team, or this is going to continue. Like, you, something needs to change. Yep. I mean, I, I would say a couple of things. So you brought up the stat about yards per attempt, and mm-hmm. I, and he's really really bad. But uh, in that 32 out of 36. Mm-hmm. The one thing I will say is when you brought up the yards after catch from before, we're like 700 yards behind the top <laughs> of the league in that. We're yep. even just like 400 yards behind average. <laughs> right. If, if if the coaches and receivers and tight ends did him some favors mm-hmm. and ran with the ball, and I think it's mostly coaching, but if that was different, now – He's got 400 extra yards with no more attempts. 
he's probably in the top tier or top half or whatever. Like, yeah, it's really easy to see how, oh, yeah, it sucks when you never throw the ball. And when you do <laughs> or sorry, when you do throw the ball, it gets caught and they're immediately tackled, um, you know, or when every single play call is a 10 yard curl. It's really hard to have a high yards per attempt when a completed pass is six yards. <laughs> right. And they immediately go down. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's absurd, man. I don't know. We'll see. Um, a few other just random stats here. Um, in 2020, Allen Robinson counted for 24% of the offensive snaps. In 2019, he counted for 24.2%. Um, where do you think he's at through eight games of this year? 12%. <laughs> you're you're incredible. I swear, <laughs> listeners, this was not this was not pre-recorded. Twelve point eight percent of the yardage. Well, which, that was like, my guess for half of the targets that he yeah. only has. Yeah, yeah, and even that feels high to me. I guess it more points to how little offensive production we have because he has like so little yards. But yeah, yeah he's got two hundred yards. That's twelve percent of our offense. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh oh. So yeah. Not great. But if there's one person who should be pretty happy about that, that's my boy, Mitch Trubisky. Hope he's eating his vegetables. Hope he's doing good. But every every game of the Bears, he must just be like, see, guys? Come on. Yep. You know what was a really pleasant surprise, too? Hmm. Larry Borum. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Like, this is a rookie fifth-round pick that shows up one week after all this, like, stuff. And... He comes back, and his assignment is Joey Bosa. <laughs> um, I would have thought Joey was going to have five sacks. Not the case. Not the he case. held up really well at right tackle. He did. There is a, to your point, talking about like trying to develop the young guys, Like there is a young core that is blossoming. Like He did fantastically. Yeah, a rookie coming back from injury. Against one of the best outside linebackers, defensive end, whatever you know in the league, like yeah, that was he is. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see a couple more. Let's see. The 49ers had looks like twenty explosive explosive plays. The Bears had seven, four of which were just Fields running out of a broken play. <laughs> just a perfect encapsulation. Like it's just all Fields. He's just a Herculean effort to push the bears into something resembling competence. He's so good. <laughs> so one more weird stat for you, and then we can get to whatever point you want. Um, so the bears uh, obviously scored 22 points this season, which is among their best of the season. Um, first of all, do you think it's a coincidence that the most comfortable fields has looked and the best, the offense has looked has been the week that they shuffled Nagy out to Cuba. No, I do not. I, th- I think that is absolutely why he looked good, why he looked comfortable. Um, oh, one thing that my buddy said at work today, yeah. which I thought was so funny. Great way to evaluate a head coach. I mean, if you had to narrow it down to one yes. thing, it is that we get down to the end of the first half and we still have all three timeouts. How is it possible that... Um, we were on the road in San Francisco. Is that right? Or was that at home? I think, I think that was a home game. Okay, home game. Turf being okay. atrocious. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. So even still, um, how is it that we're playing in a game and we didn't have to call a timeout 
for no reason because we're not ready. <laughs> to we, check if you need a challenge. Yes, to check if you need a challenge or to call a timeout because you didn't get the play call in fast enough so he <laughs> couldn't get to the line fast enough. Right. Or we just had an injury timeout on the field and coming out of that we weren't ready so we had to call a timeout. <laughs> or we had the wrong number of people on the field. Or I, You list it. How many times have we gone into the end of the half with three timeouts? I mean, I feel like we normally have one. Right. We had all three. <laughs> the, like we were on top of it. Play calls were coming in early. We were running hurry up. We were running quick. Um, we were very clearly changing cadence and snap count and all that stuff. Um, so that the 49ers who have a very good defense were off balance. We moved down the field basically every single time we had the ball. Um, our offense honestly looked really good. Now, it did fall apart in the red zone a few times. Had it not, we could have stayed in this game or won this game. But, um, man, it was it was good. It was exciting. And, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I do not think it's a coincidence at all that Justin Fields looked his best with Matt Nagy uh, in that hopefully sustained health and safety protocol. Mostly because it's just a padded box. <laughs> yeah, which honestly, a padded room is probably where Nagy belongs. Maybe put a nice comfy jacket on him, tie those sleeves up, and yeah. Um, honestly, like if the defense holds up, yeah, I mean, so the Bears offense scored 22 points this game. The most they've scored all season was against the Lions, which, you know, that that doesn't really count. It's kind of like a, a preseason game. And um, it was 24? Uh, yes, sir. So, yeah, 24. Yeah, but, yeah, so, I mean, this was not, yeah, the past couple of games has been uh, three points against the Buccaneers just a week ago, 14 against the Packers, like six against the Browns. <laughs> right like this is not a small deviation yeah uh yeah also in terms of your prediction and my prediction i think we guessed 23 and 20 for us so we yes. had 22 it's pretty great calls for us all we were <laughs> accounting for was less san francisco points like them scoring on three straight drives for touchdowns in the second half like what the heck right and I'll say in in our defense, at least in your defense, uh, I don't think we knew at the time that Cleo Mack was going to be out. That was huge. We did not. We did not. But uh, um, yeah, yeah. Also, like I'll say in not the Bears' defense's defense because that was not good, but in yeah. the offense's defense, they scored twenty two points on very few drives. Yeah. Um, the week before, when we scored three points, I think we had like fourteen drives. So we had like fourteen cracks at points, and just like botched it and screwed it up i want to say we only had the ball like six times or seven times in the entire game um mostly because we were running clock on our long sustained drives but i mean like if you're only getting the ball seven times the benefit there is not that you're going to score a ton of points it's that you're going to prevent the other team from scoring as much because you've limited their possessions. So Mm -hmm. we made our defense only have to make stops so many times and they still scored 33. Like we scored 22 on half the possessions we normally have or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. It's a a great offensive game. We were very efficient. Um, Sure. We could have punched them into the red, red zone more and for touchdowns and whatever else. But I mean, like that's us saying, Oh, every possession should be a touchdown. Like, that's not how the Bears' offense works. <laughs> right. 
that's how any offense works. But <laughs> yeah, that was like man, such a breath of fresh air to uh, just in general the past couple of weeks with uh, laser calling plays. The run game has been actually working, and the mm-hmm. opposing defense has been tired out. Uh, it's been like, oh, you mean our own defense doesn't have to be on the field for eighty-five snaps? Um, yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. Uh, Let's see. There are a few more points I want to bring out. We got to get out of here. Um, so, oh yes, yeah, so we talked about uh, Bears twenty-two points, which was a good game for them on offense. Um, twenty-four against the Lions. Otherwise, it's been a very mixed, but mixed is a generous term. A very mixed bag for the Bears offense. Um, Fourteen against the Rams. Seventeen against the Bengals. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Twenty against the Bengals. Uh, six against the Browns. Yeah. So with that in mind, and I know this is not a fair comparison, but I don't care. Uh, how many points do you think Mitch Trubisky put against the Bears starting defense in the preseason game that he played? 28 and a half, maybe? <laughs> 28 <laughs> points and a half. Yes, sir. One half, and admittedly, Khalil Mack was also out of that game. So, But yeah. 28 points and a half. Jesus. <laughs> well, we... uh. We are Chicago Bears offense. When he was on the Bears, he didn't put up 28 points and a half. No, no. He had that one game we've already discussed against the Bucks. Uh, the Bucks are not that team anymore. Right. God, could you imagine explaining to someone in 2018, like watching that, that like, yeah, you know which one of these teams is closer to a Super Bowl? Yeah. Not the Bears. I think they could have <laughs> guessed that. <laughs> which sucks. Um, and then... I know we're like running on time. I do really want to break down the play you're talking about of uh, the 49ers because I think it's such an awesome play design, and I think like it's just worth talking about like how it works. Um, so I'm just those outside to... runs with the tight ends in motion. Yes, sir. Yeah, and those were just... incredible. Yeah, and because um, we talked the past couple weeks about how Desai has been using those kind of like crack blocks to get Khalil Mack schemed open, urge defense where it's like. All right, you have a player lined up over somebody, and then at the snap they like sprint sideways and hit somebody else that is not you know is lined up over somebody else, and they're not even looking at this guy. So it's like it's awesome. And so I've seen that happen a lot on offense. I haven't seen it happen on defense much. And I've never seen it happen on the Bears' defense until this year. Um, and admittedly, Desai I thought was a little bit out scheme this game, but like that's something that he's brought to the defense anyway. So the 49ers, like you said, had that. Tight end in motion the whole game. They send them, in this case, it was um, tight end motion to the left. The Bears have two inside linebackers out there. Um, so the run happens. The left side of the uh, of the offensive line formation you know, starts their blocking. And what I thought was interesting is the left tackle does not... Let's make sure I have this right. Let's pull that bad boy up. Um... To do okay, so the left tackle goes out. The left guard, uh, I'm oh, sorry, yeah, so the left guard hits the uh guy sitting over him center. The left tackle does not go after the inside linebacker on the left side, which you would kind of think. The left tackle goes right and hits the inside linebacker on the right side. So, at this point, Roquan Smith, the inside linebacker on the left side, is like wide open, no one's even blocking him. And there's a hole developing. Um, it's an outside zone run, so outside of the left tackle. So there's just a big old gap for him. It's like, okay, what? And the reason that gap is there is because, like you point out, the 
tight end did uh, motion across. They snapped and timed it well so that this guy's own momentum carried him left, and he could do a crack block against uh, Quinn, who was did not see him at all. Just got freaking obliterated. Like oh, smoked. <laughs> it's like watching uh, laying on the ground afterwards. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's like a traffic accident. So. Yeah, Quinn's lined up over this guy, like, <laughs> and then bam, this guy comes out of his blind spots. That's brutal. Um, but there's the gap they've created between that guy and their left tackle. Uh, yeah, you have Roquan like wide open in that gap, just like <laughs> waiting for the running back to go in that gap. And here's the part that I think is super genius: is Shanahan knows that their inside linebacker is looking for that gap to develop and shoot it. So as Roquan sees this gap, he sees the running back running towards it and it's like about ready to shoot it they have their wide receiver who is lined up way wide left sprint right and from Roquan's side cracks him so they have two cracks going in opposite directions they're just nailing like the two most important players on defense in this play and uh, so then the Roquan Smith gets obliterated um, like exclusively because his tendency as a good linebacker to want to shoot that gap is used against him so the running back, like, you know, the running back got a lot of kudos for having a great game. But, like, that play, he was untouched for, like, 20 yards. Like, you know, oh, yeah. Um, so anyway, with that in mind, uh, he was at the 49ers, like, 40-yard line. He ends up going all the way down to the Bears, like, 25. Yeah, that's um, insane. Yeah. Who do you think made the tackle on that one? Um... Akeem Hicks. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> like, I remember oh, yeah. that. Because I also felt like the entire time they were running side by side, I was like, can somebody make the tackle? Somebody just tackle right. him. Tackle him. I actually felt the same way on the really, really long pass play. I think it was Houston Carson ran him down. And I feel like by the 10-yard line, he was standing on top of him. I was like, it's time to make the tackle. Like, what are we waiting for? Right. Why are we waiting for the end zone? Like, right. they were, he was already there like make the play now right. like i'm not saying dive with the ankles at this point you can wrap them up at this point um and i felt the same way about that play like i felt like there was bodies around him the whole time and then their goal they were like how oh, if we just kind of run with him we're gonna keep him in this tunnel and he won't be able to get out and i was like at some point somebody's got to make the tackle and it was akeem hicks because they did slow him down but nobody touched him <laughs> right and I was like, if Akeem Hicks is going to catch you, can somebody just freaking go make the tackle? Thank you, Akeem Hicks. <laughs> the dude with the bad groin is 310 pounds. Um, yeah, I can't comment on the quality of his groin, but I've heard uh, positive reviews. So um, <laughs> Good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, we actually have yeah, a clip it, from Akeem oh, on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it's fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the one thing I'll say is like what you're talking about with the, those schemed in crack blocks, that was where I thought the bears were trying to get fancy is like, I feel like when they, they got hit with more crack blocks than they're used to early in the game. Mm -hmm. And then same thing happened on that pass play. There were some crack blocks and they tried to start like leaning away from them and getting block in the back calls Oh to yeah. like, try to like, you know, and it's like, well, if you don't get that call, like you just took yourself out of the play and you're the only person there to make the play. Like the way right. this play works, you're the one person here that can 
either make the tackle or slow them down enough for another person to be able to make the tackle. Mm -hmm. And when you commit to trying to draw that foul by turning your shoulders and losing your angle on the tackle, if you don't get that call, you're done. And I felt like that happened a couple of times. Like, I'm not saying it happened on that play with Roquan with that really long run, but it's like some of those times, like you need to step up and make the play and you need to not just like, when you do see it coming, just turn and be like, oh, I'm going to try to get a block in the back. Like, you got to go do more than that. And, yep. like, I understand sometimes it's just schemed so well, it's timed up so well, you really can't do much. But I felt like on a few of those big plays I watched, I was like, you could have made a better play on on the person with the ball. And now it costs us 80 yards in the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. The only thing I had left to bring up was the saga of Justin Fields' spin move. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so uh, He figured it out. Do you remember early in the season he tried that spin move and, like, broke his back in half and threw up? <laughs> right. <laughs> he's on the sideline. Like, is he okay? Like, no, he's, <laughs> he's struggling. He's going to die. And then it was like, now he's throwing that spin move and he's not even getting touched. <laughs> um. So Patrick Finley has a good piece on basically Justin Fields' love of the spin move. Um, the point being, this goes all the, way, all the way back to his college career, where he got speared in the back from doing a spin move on his second-to-last game of the season. Um, let's see. see On 3rd and 13 on January 1st National Semifinal, quarterback Justin sprinted toward the first down marker and tried to put a spin move on Clemson's James Skalski, who speared him in the back and drew an ejection for targeting. Uh, <laughs> Fields' ribs ached throughout the Ohio State's national title game 10 days later, uh, which has already been kind of made a thing that, like, yeah, he was playing quite hurt because uh, he got brutally yeah. speared in the back. Yeah. So, for targeting. <laughs> right. Um, which Speared in the back, by the way, for listeners, is not a normal tackle. It is like... <laughs> It is a tackle that is ejection-worthy because you are going to try to hurt somebody. Yeah. Um, and, like, yeah, for sure. I feel a little bit bad for, yeah, someone who's like, you know, oh, they they know how fast Justin Fields is. They know he can juke. So you're, like, flying at him as fast as you can. And then the dude turns and exposes his spine to you. Like, what am I supposed to do here? What? But, yeah. I mean, Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it was necessarily malicious, but spearing normally means, like, Completely going parallel, leading with the head, like all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right, yeah. Um, so after the game, Justin Fields in a post-game said, I'm not trying to take a hit like that again. Um, let's see, that was uh, in, actually, no, I'm sorry, that was in August. Less than two weeks later, Fields scrambled on a third and 12 in the preseason game against the Dolphins, ignoring the sideline and tried to put a spin move on the cornerback, Nick Needham, who tackled him and forced a fumble. In <laughs> uh, <laughs> his post-game there. Field said, after that, I think I'm going to officially retire the spin move. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, let's see, then the first quarter of uh, what, it's a game against the uh, Raiders. Uh, he ran up the middle on third and four. He sprinted past the safety, don't leave it, um, and had pulled out his jersey. Justin had one player to beat, the hard-hitting safety, Jonathan Abram, for a first down. He tried the spin move, exposing his back to Abram, who hit him so hard they knocked the wind out of him, which is what you were talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the one on the sideline that put a trash can next to him. Yeah. 
Um, and then the post game for that one, they asked him if he's going to retire the spin move. And Justin said, yeah, you're telling me. He said with a knowing glance after the game, I have no comment on that. Um, and then he dropped it. <laughs> this one was impressive, though. It was. Yeah. And I mean, he had an awesome spin move play. So I don't know. That's We've talked about how impressed we are with his development. I wonder if he's just going to be a spin move guy for a while. We'll never be able to train that out of him. See, but I feel like the the thing is, like, this is going to sound so stupid, but, like, the spin move worked this time because he was being decisive. When yeah. he's being decisive, he's too good of an athlete. Like, those other spin moves weren't working because he was going so slow. He was drawing things out. He was letting players stay in close contact with him. He wasn't moving quickly. Like, when you're going full speed and then you plant and change directions in a spin move like he can do all they can do is be off balance. Like they may be able to wrap you up, but they're not going to lay that hit on you. Like he was doing them slow and exposing his back. Right. Like, cause he was looking for guys downfield and he wasn't being decisive. And, and that indecisiveness is what was going to get him hurt. Yep. It's so funny. We Like I talk about that all the time in coaching. When I used to coach soccer, it was like, Oh, like if you go in soft for a tackle, that's how you get hurt. Like if you go in aggressively for a tackle, you're not going to get hurt because you mm-hmm. are all braced for this. But when you go in and you're halfway, that's how you're going to get blown up because you're not ready. Like, you need to be doing this stuff full speed. And like Justin Fields, in the beginning of his starts, he was not going full speed and he was getting blown up. Because when you're not going full speed, NFL players are faster than you. Justin Fields has the exception that when he is going full speed, he's faster than you. And that's true for almost everybody on the field. Yes, sir. Um, So... And and at least he has the advantage of knowing where he's going. Like, even if a corner can hang with him, if he can put his foot in the ground, he has the advantage of knowing where he's going. At the very least, it's going to be, um, you know, a tackle, not like some smoking, like, God, he's going to get hurt. Um, so I really like that decisiveness. I think that had a lot to do with how effective that spin move was. Yes, sir. Um, you also kind of saw it on his, like, quarterback keeper that fooled the cameras. You know, they thought that he was going to hand the ball to Null for some reason. By the way, he wasn't reading anybody. Right. I know he did, but he he, he was like, um, you suck, this is my ball. <laughs> and the the um, outside, uh, the defensive end did attack Ryan Null, and, you know, he went inside. But he put his foot in the ground on a linebacker and made it a 20-yard play. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Edel Bradabot, you got anything there? He stayed in the game. He got popped so many times today. I mean, I couldn't believe... I mean, he really got whacked pretty good. Hmm. On the old spin moves. I actually didn't think he took that many hits this week. No. You're right, man. That that decisiveness is key. He, uh... I don't know. He looks good. Um, that... That's all I really have in my notes. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, not that I can do via podcast, so I think we're good. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, why don't you go ahead and bear it down? I don't know.